Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we tell you about some strange thing that's happened in history. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hello. Hello. We're both sounding so much better we this are, week. Aren't we? <laughs> Listening back when I was editing the last episode, we sounded dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I, I thought we had a husk to our voices. We did. You got that sort of sexy cold husk going mm-hmm. on. Hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, we're doing a lot better. And uh, we have realised that, of course, it being October, it's Black History Month. Yay! Yay! So uh, we decided to uh, look at an individual who really, in many ways, is not a candidate for this podcast. Okay. The story is of a man coming from humble origins to owning his own business and kind of doing nothing and then dying. Okay. It's a pretty, you know, standard life story for someone. A rags to doing okay story. Exactly, yeah. Okay, So really, it's not that special. Okay. Except for the fact that this took place in the late 18th century Mm -hmm. and the man that I'm talking about was black. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Barnaby... There were no black people in the UK in the late 18th century being reasonably successful. Uh, we've dealt with that joke before. I know we have. <laughs> I know. Because obviously black people didn't magically come into existence in the 18th century and then sort of grow from there. I suppose not. No. Exactly. So <laughs> even though a lot of history is generally focused on white people, that's just for, you know, colonial reasons, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 And of course, uh, the subject of history and race has been quite prevalent in the news recently. Um, What with, once again, the Conservatives trying to stoke their culture war, and there was that Tory MP who said that people, well, teachers like you, uh, should be, what is it, it's like, should be we should be reported yes to prevent yes who are dealing with yeah dealing with like extremism and radicalization of children if you use the term white privilege so i'm definitely in trouble i'm certain we've used it on this podcast already (laughs) almost definitely it's, it's you know it's out there now just for those who you know may not fully understand the term or know people who don't fully understand the term just a quick little bit All white privilege means is that amongst the many trials and tribulations that someone might have in their life, the colour of their skin is not a problem. That's all it means. So I just wanted to say that just because I feel like it's something that, you know, needs to be said and people need to be reminded because, you know, privilege sometimes sounds like, you know, you're being handed everything. And no, it just means that you're... You're not going to be attacked because of the colour of your skin. You're not going to be turned down from a job because you're black or anything like that. Well, you're not going to be turned down for being black if you're white, certainly. (laughs) But yes, yes, I get you. Yes, sorry. Still ill. No, that's all right. (laughs) Okay, so the man we're looking at today... Uh, we we kind of don't know his original name. Okay. He was born in Sierra Leone in around 1763. We don't know exactly when. Mm-hmm. But he was taken from there at the age of three and brought to England by a plantation owner who gave him, as a gift, 
to a West Midlands iron worker and banker by the name of Benjamin Molyneux. Jesus. Do you know, I don't think I've ever seen a film where somebody has been taken as a slave at such a young age. No. That's never the story. No. So I tried to find out, but I couldn't I couldn't get any answer really as to why this plantation owner made this gift of this young black boy. Mm. Um, the closest thing I could find was that at the time, the wealthy elite would basically... They like to have black people in their household as kind of like a fashion accessory. Great. It was kind of like, you know, a talking point. Yeah. Um, so that might be why he was taken at this young age, because, you know, easier, easier to, to train. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. As grim as it is. That's pretty grim. Yeah. In many ways, though, uh, this young boy was quite fortunate Mm. even though obviously he was still considered a slave and he was basically a possession of this household the family he was given to were pretty decent for the time Mm -hmm. in a way they're even decent for now well no not quite because you know still still owned (laughs) someone yeah yeah okay so this family they were very wealthy they lived in wolverhampton at the time which is in the west midlands and they decided to christen the boy. Uh, in the Molyneux family diary, he's first given the name Pluto. Really? Yeah, but this seems to just be a sort of stand-in until he could be christened and given his official name of George John Scipio Africanus. Okay, so I love how the first two names, very English. Yep. Very English, George John. Wasn't George King at the time as well? Um, Yes, I believe he was, yeah. Wonderful. And then Scipio Africanus. Yes. I think I've heard of Scipio Africanus. You may well have done. Uh, Scipio Africanus, there was an individual in the uh, Roman Empire, I think it was around 200 BC, Mm -hmm. uh, by the name of Publius Cornelius Scipio, later called Publius Cornelius Scipio Africanus. Yeah. He was uh, quite important in the wars against Carthage. That's the one I'm thinking of, actually. Yes, absolutely. And as we saw in our Caligula episode with Germanicus being given that name because of his victories in Germania, Mm -hmm. Publius Cornelius Scipio, he received the title of Africanus because of his military victories in Africa. Right. In Roman times, Africa, we're specifically talking about North Africa, but that was kind of just the whole thing. Sure, like Carthage is like Tunisia or something. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, There's some myth that Africa is actually named after this man. Oh, great. But that is not true. Mm -hmm. It was called many things, um, Africa being one of them. And this is the name that kind of stuck for the Romans to go... This is what we're calling this area. Okay, so that's a pretty grand name to give your enslaved three-year-old African boy. It seems like it was a fairly popular name. What, Scipio Africanus? Yeah, we actually have reference of another Scipio Africanus, uh, who was born in 1702, 
Uh, he was a slave for all of his life, which unfortunately was only 18 years. Ooh. He was very young when he died. He is notable because he's one of the few slaves at this time to actually receive a headstone when he died. Oh, okay. So we actually have it. And it's got this quite florid poem on it, which is grim for a number of reasons. <laughs> okay. But I will read it out here. Okay. I, who was born a pagan and a slave, now sweetly sleep a Christian in my grave. What though my hue was dark, my saviour's sight shall change this darkness into radiant light. Such grace to me my Lord on earth has given, to recommend me to my Lord in heaven, whose glorious second coming here I wait, with saints and angels him to celebrate. Oh, great. I know, right? Oh, great. That's... <laughs> like, I appreciate... Problematic. I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. But also, like, I love how that's managed to be offensive to modern sensibilities. Yeah. In so many ways. You want to know a really awful thing? Go on. So, back in June of last year, where there were the BLM protests... Yeah. His headstone was vandalised in retaliation to the tearing down of the statue of Edward Colston. In retaliation? Yes, specifically in retaliation. Great, because this 18-year-old kid did so much to ruin the lives of white people. (laughs) I know, right? It's it's really awful. That's just appalling, especially because it's such a... It's... It's such a... Complisulting headstone. It really is. It really is. It's it's so patronizing. Yeah. Yeah. But as we see, the name Scipio Africanus is extant. Like other people had this name. It seems like Africanus was fairly popular as a sort of given surname. Mm-hmm. Because is, that's is it what so... you give to your African. Yeah, that's it's people. just so clever that way, you see. Oh my god. It okay. Do you remember <laughs> like when I was talking to you about um, these spies in World War Two who called themselves oh, like the, yeah. 20, the 20 group because yeah. that's like a double cross in Latin. Yeah. And they're like, ha-ha, we're so clever. <laughs> like, this is... This is the fancy, clever name to give to your yeah. enslaved peoples, isn't it? It really is. It oh, really God. is. So... Come on, guys. <laughs> like, stop being basic. Absolutely. So... George, as we'll now refer to him, because mm-hmm. we just we just don't know what he was originally called. Whatever name he was given, completely lost to history, and yeah. there's no chance of us finding it, which... Sucks. Really sucks. But anyway... It, it reminds me a little bit too much of um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Yes. Were you going to talk about that? I, I wasn't, actually, okay. but you should talk about it, so, because I was thinking about it while, we were, while I was writing the I notes. I absolutely adore the novel Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clarke. It mm. is really long. Yes, it is. But so, so worth it. Um, it's set just after these times, I think, isn't it? It's set yes, in the yeah. early 1800s. Yeah. And one of the main characters is a character called Stephen Black, who is a black butler, mm. who was also born into slavery. Yeah. And one of his concerns throughout his life is the fact that Stephen isn't the name that his mother gave him. Yeah. His mother gave him a name, but only he ever heard it. Yeah. And only one fairy ever finds out his name for him yeah. and he can only get it if he goes along with that fairy's whims. Oh, such a good it's book. It's so good. It's <laughs> such a good book. I mean, if you haven't read it, 
you should give mm. it a go. Like, maybe you won't like it. It is very long and, yeah. like, quite dense in many ways, but... I think it's worth it. It's fantastic. I always appreciated the depiction of Stephen because he's mm. shown as kind of a reasonably well-off person for those days Yeah, because he's got a high-up position. Mm. But at the same time, he has fears that he's going to be accused of theft yeah. and won't be able to get out of it. And he has a certain amount of uh, sort of very hidden, like anger and hatred at the way that his people have been treated and how he's managed to get into that situation in the first place yeah which is totally justified absolutely as far as george africanus uh, goes we don't know much about him as an individual okay like we know about the things he managed to do Mm. but we don't really know much about like what he was like what his likes and dislikes were he may have been similar it yeah. could be that Stephen Black is partially based on George Africanus because there are certain similarities as I said he was handed over to this Molyneux household and they christened him mm. and Benjamin Molyneux actually began to educate him okay so decent yeah like, this is what not I mean. great but decent. no this is what I mean for the time they genuinely did seem to care about him mm-hmm. there was possibly a certain you know property thing to that yeah but they gave him a lot of tools to better himself in a society that really would have been happy to just let him rot yeah yeah so George was educated by Benjamin Molyneux until Benjamin's death in 1772 at the age of 87 whoa pretty good age well done Molyneux and then Benjamin's son confusingly also named George oh my god okay took over the education of George okay Africanus that yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interestingly enough 1772 also has a uh is a specific date in the history of slavery in Britain because it was the year that the case Somerset v Stuart found that a black person could not if could not basically be transported out of England to be sold as a slave elsewhere okay which is it's quite interesting i was actually thinking i might do a full episode not just on this case but on yeah. the whole history of slavery in this country because it's really interesting yeah i think there's always an assumption that we had the atlantic slave trade Mm. but that slaves didn't come to britain ever Mm. which isn't true no it's not true we didn't have like the sort of mass plantations like in america because you can't in the uk exactly we're too small yeah pretty much (laughs) but slaves were brought over here and then they were traded out of england Mm. but this particular case was actually about a black man who brought this case against the man trying to transport him off to Jamaica to be sold. Yeah, I think I've actually heard of that case. You may um, well have done. Partly because of reading Black Tudors before. Mm. Um, it's. I think it's a little bit famous. There's a sort of I, There was an idea that was held for a long time that you had to be set free if you came to England and therefore you couldn't be sent back yeah that's not really true no but people believed it they believed it um and still believe it to this day as like oh that's what happened but no No. the the nature of it actually is really interesting or at least i find it interesting uh because i've been very interested in law recently Mm -hmm. um the the reason that this judgment was passed was essentially the judge in the case realized that slavery had never been allowed in England. There was no common law or statute saying that you could own slaves. 
Amazing. So, therefore, you couldn't take people out to be <laughs> sold as slaves. Okay, that just sounds like that's a great ruling and one mm. that I'm really glad happened. But at the same time, it just sounds like Airbud, as in like, <laughs> there's no rule that says a dog can't play whatever it is. Is it football? I don't know. I think it's basketball. Oh, my God. I don't know, actually. No, I've got no idea. But it I sounds like can. that. But there's no rule that says that you can own slaves. So we're yeah. just going to say that you've never been allowed to have slaves. It's actually quite a clever ruling because it means that at the time, obviously, the there were arguments between the sides of slave owners and abolitionists. Yeah. And this judge managed to basically pass this ruling without making it a moral issue. Yeah. It's like, sorry, this is just strict rule. Yeah. Yeah, which is, to be honest, something that seems to happen a lot yeah. in English common law. Great. <laughs> we don't care how you feel, we care what the law says. Yeah. Now, despite this ruling being passed down, people were still owned as slaves in uh, the UK. Right. They just couldn't be traded out of the UK once they were here. Okay, so that's like a small victory then. It is, yes. Um, it was kind of narrowed and refined by various other rulings. Yeah. So it's, this is not the be-all and end-all ruling, but it is important because it at least makes people like George Africanus safe from being... Uh, Transported, effectively. Exa- exactly, yeah. yeah. And you don't want to go to Jamaican plantations. No, you do not. Now... George at the time, this probably wouldn't have affected him because he remained part of the Molyneux family until his freedom, which is a bit confusing. We'll get to it later on. But he worked, while he was being educated, he worked as a servant in the household. And when he got a bit older and a bit stronger, he actually became an apprentice brass founder. Okay. That was one of the uh, interests that the family had. And they had a number of foundries around the area. So he was apprenticed out and got to know this work. Okay. That that seems really interesting. Like, mm. if he's a slave at the time, yeah. which we're kind of assuming that he is, he, technically. It seems like technically he is, but he wasn't really treated as one. Or yeah. at least, like I say, we don't know about much about his personal life. He yeah. may have had incredible difficulties, and it's likely that he would have done at least some of the time. Mm. Um, But we just don't have any record of that. But yeah, but apprenticing somebody out is kind of like usually what you do with your son or your ward. Yeah. With the assumption that they'll then go and become an independent person. Which he kind of does. Right. So at the age of 21, uh, George moves away from the family household And he does still kind of stay in the family because he moves to another foundry in Mm -hmm. an area that the Molyneux family had a lot of interests in, which is Nottingham. Okay. Nottingham, as I said, it had many interests in it that were owned by the Molyneux family. So he was still technically working for them, but he had a lot more independence. Mm -hmm. He's doing better than a lot of millennials. He's moved out of home by the time he's 21. Absolutely, yeah. Um... Yeah, the Molyneux family was really quite linked to Nottingham. They actually had a member of the family who was the High Sheriff of Nottingham at around that time. Oh, God. I don't think we should trust them then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, this is way after Robin Hood, who was definitely a real person. Well, we went to Nottingham <laughs> over the holidays, and we found out that Robin Hood is definitely a real person. Absolutely. Indisputably. Yeah. He wasn't several people. No, he wasn't several people or a game or a dance. He was a person. 
I really need to do that an episode about that, actually. Yeah, we probably should. Mm. So, on the 3rd of August, 1788, so at that point, uh, George is 25 years old, mm-hmm. he actually marries. Oh, okay. He marries a woman called Esther Shaw, who was uh, working as a milliner, and it actually seems like she may have been a business owner, as in oh, she okay. actually owned the milliners. Interestingly, she was also illiterate, right? which we can tell by the fact that she doesn't actually sign the wedding charter. Mm. She puts an X instead. Okay. And also, I'm, I'm pretty sure about this, but I could not find absolute confirmation, but I'm pretty sure Esther was white. Okay. Well, there aren't any, like, dead giveaway things like a name like Black or African. No, exactly. Um, that's interesting. It is, yeah. They stayed together all of their life. Mm-hmm. They did have some personal tragedies. They had seven children together. Whoa. Only one reached adulthood. Oh, jeez. Yeah. God, I hate the Industrial Revolution for childhood yeah. like, survival rates. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was only the one child, their daughter, Hannah. Okay. But, it, so, it sounds like this was probably a mixed marriage. Yes. Which... Is, it, I mean, it's something it's, that people would get so cross about if they saw that in a film. Exactly, yeah. They'd be like, no, this never happened in those days. Yeah. And they'd point out that um, mixed race marriages were illegal. Mm-hmm. And we'd be like, no, that was only ever in America. I don't think mixed <laughs> race marriages have ever been illegal in the UK. I would be very surprised if they had. I don't think there'd be any point in making them illegal. No. Because, as we say, like, there were so few. Like, there were black people in the UK, but there were so few. Well, at this time, it's estimated there are around ten to 15,000. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... A In a signi- country of, like, roughly a couple of million. Yeah. Like, it's it's not the same as being in the southern states of America where yeah. you can, like, get super racist about things because, like, you feel like there's a lot of black people. Yeah. So, at this point, it definitely seems like George is no longer a slave. He yeah. was legally able to marry. This wasn't anything that the Molyneux family were involved in. And he actually then ended up uh, leaving the business in the foundry and starting his own business. Okay. Oh, he... man, these are a power couple. Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially if... Um, what's her name? Ezra? Esther. Esther. If Esther's actually started her own business as well... Mm. Nice, nice. So they started up the Africanus Register of Servants. They were an employment agency... What? ...who got servants for the wealthy families around the area. Okay. They basically had a recruiting job. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is pretty, like, it's one of those things you don't always think about, but yeah, it makes no, sense it, that it's it would very exist. smart, especially yeah. if you're in, like, a city and therefore there's a lot of wealthy families instead mm. of just being like, oh... I am poor and wish to become a servant. I will go to the nearest place. Yeah, exactly. So this was in 1793. They set up their business. Okay. And again, like a lot of stuff, like this is such an unusual story for this podcast because we don't have a load of twists and turns where it's like, and then his twin brother turned up. Yeah. And it turned out, like, like, no, they set up this business it went really well. Great. Like, they continued to expand and it they made a fair amount of money. I guess the thing is, every once in a while we do do stories like this where we're like, this mm. is the story of a person who lived a perfectly normal life. The only thing that's unusual is that we don't expect them to be 
black or gay or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So in 1807, slavery is officially ended in the UK. Okay. But it's not actually ended in the colonies. Right, okay, sure. It's not wholly relevant to this story. I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of extra background to it. No, I think that's fair. Like, it's very easy for us to go, oh, yes, our island story, Mm. as Michael Gove once put it. Yes. Um, And then completely forget that we had an empire. Yeah. And a lot of the time... We ignore what happened in the rest of the empire, mm. which we're still responsible for, guys. Yep, pretty much. Well, but, not me personally, but well, you know yes, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, as I say, George and Esther continued to expand their business. They were doing well. George was an upstanding member of the community. Uh, he was actually involved in the Watch and Ward, who were the unofficial police in the area. Really? Yeah, it's kind of like a neighbourhood watch thing, and oh, he okay. was pretty big in that. So he clearly had some standing around the town as well. Well, yeah, it sounds like people had some respect for him, otherwise mm. they wouldn't let him join. Yeah. In 1824, uh, George and Esther's daughter Hannah married her husband, a watchmaker by the name of Samuel Cropper. George and Esther did not like Samuel Cropper. Oh, oh, this is the first time we've got an opinion. I know. How do we know that they didn't like him? We know that they didn't like him uh, because they effectively, while they they allowed the marriage, Mm -hmm. they didn't really want Samuel to have any control of money. Right. So when it came to writing his will, George specifically made... Uh, considerations for his wife Mm -hmm. and for his daughter but with the express uh, idea that the money should in no way be allowed anywhere near Samuel. Ooh. Like, is he maybe just being very cautious though? I don't think so. I think he was justified because a year later, in 1825, Samuel Cropper runs away leaving Hannah with her disabled daughter. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a scumbag. Absolutely. He does reappear later, but we'll get to that because there is a juicy conclusion to that. Okay. Well, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's partly juicy. Partly juicy, partly a little bit sour. All right. (laughs) Like a bad grape. I think I'm I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... Uh, by 1829, uh, George had been successful enough in his business that he had had the money to own his home and his business outright. Okay, which wow. meant that he was now considered a freeholder and thus could was one of the few people who could actually vote in elections in the UK. Oh my god! Yeah, which like we saw the charter of how many yeah. people around this era were allowed to vote. It's very few. Yeah, so that that was up in Nottingham. Yeah. We had a little look at it. It was really interesting because I think in those days, they didn't actually care if you were a woman either, mm. so long as you were a freeholder. But obviously a lot of women weren't freeholders yeah. because you had to not be married for that to apply. Exactly. Um, which also makes it more difficult to own your own property. Yeah, um, <laughs> so that's why Esther wouldn't be allowed to vote, yeah. but George would. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting that we're in this, like, yeah, he's just living a really normal life. He's living a really a normal life. person who's being relatively successful. Absolutely. So by 1833, 
the UK prohibited slavery in the colonies as well as internally. Okay, this is finally. kind of yeah, this is kind of the official end of slavery as far as the British Empire goes. Okay. Um as a result of this, it's one of those things that I think is known about more now, but should always be reiterated. The British government decided to basically pay off the slave owners for all the money they were now losing out on because they weren't able to trade human lives. Oh, great. And this was the biggest bailout in history until the 2009 bank bailout. Wow, really? Yeah. It is a ridiculous amount of money and it Mm. would have also been raised in taxes, which is really sad because it basically means that George Africanus was some of his money was going back to the slave owners, the kind of people who took him from his home in the first place. Great. It's actually the whole thing of how to, how to deal with slave owners and get them to give up their slaves is like, it's quite difficult to Mm. work out because I'm sort of thinking about the end of serfdom in Russia. Yeah. So technically not slaves, but very, very close. Mm. Um, the surf like serfdom ended in the 1800s in russia yeah but the way that they ended it was i think that they said that the serfs had to pay back themselves to right. the landowners so they were liberated oh, but they yeah. still had to work for a specific number of years to pay off their own debts yeah this <sighs> It's a tricky subject on, like, what's the best method. Yeah, this also kind of happened with slavery in Britain as well. Okay. Because black people were still expected to work 45 hours a week for the places they had previously been owned by. Great. For... Basically nothing? Yeah. 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 So they were effectively... Still slaves. There there was kind of no difference for quite a while. Okay. So what was the assumption like, oh, you still have to work for your masters, but only for 45 hours a week, and then the rest of your time is your own. Yeah, I think there was this idea that, you know, we need to, we need to change things. So like, we need to, we can't just let these people go. They're part of the infrastructure. Mm. So we need to get other systems in place. And until then, you still have to work for them. Great. Which, you know, awful. Yep. So George Africanus actually dies a year later in 1834. He was 71 years old, which... Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Pretty good he for the time. He got his three-school year in 10. Exactly, yeah. And then some. Mm. Well, by then some, um, I mean a year. year. But yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, pretty good age. And he does, as his uh, will stipulated, the bulk of the money goes to Esther so that she's cared for for the rest of her life Mm -hmm. and there are also stipends made for hannah yeah and samuel crops back up what a dick yeah i've just taken an immediate dislike to this man oh he is dreadful okay however esther so much love for esther the first thing she does when he crops up is sues him really yes what for uh essentially for neglect of the child Oh my god, yes, because the child's his responsibility in those yes, days. Yes, absolutely. So, as I said, he'd left the family home at around 1825, mm. and uh, Sarah, the grand- George's granddaughter, was only about three months old. Okay. So Esther sued him for child support, effectively. Okay. Back paid to the yeah. time that he left. 
He was sued for 10 shillings per week for the time that he had been away. Okay. Which amounted to around 290 pounds. Oh my God. Which... That's a lot for the time. Yeah. So that's about 38 and a half thousand pounds. Nice. Which is pretty good. That's all right. Yeah. Do you know what? I... I like I like Esther. I like Esther she too. She seems like a forthright lady who knows what she wants and deserves. She was very forthright, possibly overly so. Um, there are records after George's death. Uh, she was arrested a couple of times and fined because she beat a small boy with a chimney brush. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Um, we don't exactly know. It seems from context that. She thought he hadn't done a good job or something. He talked back to her and she smacked him about a bit. Oh my God. Yeah, I think she was a... uh, Someone who you didn't want to get on the wrong side of. Okay, fair. This is the problem with looking back at cool women in history. Because, like, they they tend to end up turning out really, really violent. Yeah. Presumably because, like, as soon as you are going to be that bold yeah such a repressive society then you're just gonna go all the way out yeah pretty much Mm. um so yes she managed to sue samuel for this amount Mm -hmm. and then saw him in court a second time when he was basically insolvent he was bankrupt yep because he was a useless person and he had to pay all this money (laughs) oh Um, that's so upsetting especially because he's a watchmaker which is like yeah a decent trade? Yeah, he said that he had basically been around various countries in Europe, that he'd been working in France, Austria and Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Except he kind of came back without much money and... Okay, yeah. so he hadn't done well. Yeah, yeah. pretty All much. Right. All right. So we kind of reached the end of the story there. We can continue to trace George Africanus's descendants for a while, uh, actually up into about the 1960s, I think. Really? Yeah. Um, we trace George's granddaughter, uh, not the sick one, mm-hmm. um, but Hannah's only surviving child, Esther Africanus Cropper. Okay. Who ended Such up... Such a good name. It's a very good name. And she uh, ended up marrying Charles Edward Turnbull, who was the son of a pianoforte maker. Okay. And uh, eventually became a toy maker and actually ran a business called Charterhouse Toys in 1872. When he died in 1929, he left her £32,000, which is just over Ooh. £2 million in today's money. Okay. Uh, also, these people have such lovely trades. I know, right? Like, Isn't it cute? I love millinery, as in like the making of hats. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah. Although, like, there's a sort of tradition in literature that it's a really sad and yeah. depressing job because you're basically catering to wealthy women. Yeah, I mean, Esther did well out of it, though. Yeah. And they managed to set up their recruitment agency. <laughs> they had a recruiting agency, yeah. which is not something I expected. So we can continue to trace down until about the 1960s. Okay. Um, but at that point, we don't know what happened to this individual Charles. Okay. Um, he may have had children. He may not have. There may still be descendants. We don't know. Okay. If you know that you are a descendant of George Africanus, write in and let <laughs> us know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. I think it's unlikely. Yeah, fair. But that's kind of the end of the story. So as I say, really... It's quite an ordinary tale, but it's just the fact that George Africanus was black and was born a slave just 
makes it so interesting to me. Yeah. Especially because of how we view history today. Absolutely. Like, I guess I talk a lot about films. Mm. I've always really liked watching Jane Austen films. Yeah. And there are never any black characters yeah. in them. There is one Jane Austen film I've seen that has got black servants in it, oh, yeah. which is the BBC adaptation of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as you said, having a black servant was seen as like a real status yeah. symbol. And there so is, fashionable. So, yeah. Um, and there is a <laughs> uh, baroness who's vaguely related to someone and she has black servants. Right, but yeah. Apart from that, like, and they're basically scenery in that, yeah, in that adaptation. It's either, it's either like the very, very few films like that, or it's something like Bridgerton, where it's actually a major plot point. Yeah, uh, but Bridget- <laughs> Bridgerton's got its whole alternate. I know it's, it's thing an alternate history thing, but you know, either you're kind of like background characters. Or it's like this fantastical world. Yeah. You still get people going, oh, such and such a person couldn't be black because this is back in the medieval period and black people didn't exist yet. Yeah. There is one exception to this. Oh, yeah? I've forgotten what it's called. Give me a second. (sighs) Okay. So this was a film from 2013, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to admit I haven't actually seen. Okay. It's called Belle. Oh, I've heard of this. Mm. Yeah. And it's about Dido Elizabeth Bell, who was the mixed race daughter of mm. a wealthy earl. Um, or a wealthy earl's nephew, actually, I apologize. Yeah. Um, and it's roughly based on a true story, but not very much is known about Dido Elizabeth right. Bell's life. Yeah, yeah, that's... I imagine that's the case in a lot of these sorts of stories. Mm. So really, this just goes to show that, you know... History is not as absolute as people make it out. It can be reinterpreted. You can learn new things about it. And it's not that sort of set in stone, very conservative way of looking at it. And it's definitely not, oh, black people only arrived in the UK in the 1950s on the Windrush. Exactly. So next time... Your uh, your conservative MP tells you that, you know, those lefty liberal elites are trying to rewrite history. Point out that's the job of historians. Yeah, it, it really is. And a lot of historians are going to be liberal lefty elites. Yeah, but let's not talk about that. Okay, fair. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When For, and if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email them to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Please give us a shout out on the Twitters if you enjoyed the show. We really want to see if we can boost our listenership. That would be boost. great. <laughs> Listen. Also, thank you as always to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in the pod. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and definitely invest in George and Esther Africanus. Bye!